just a basic ass dude with a basic ass life I do basic ass reviews on my basic ass times I'll sit your basic ass down on this basic ass rhyme Enjoy the basic ass show, you basic ass mofo Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Basic Ass Dudes. I'm your host, Joseph, and today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, I asked Nolan if he wanted to be a part of this, and he kind of opted out kindly because he doesn't have the knowledge. Um, not that I'm a knowledgeable person in this realm either, but this is something he's not really into. So I reached out to a buddy of mine, Matthew Thomas of Super Cool Radio, to see if he would be interested in talking some wrestling or as i like to call down here in the south some wrestling so that's what we're going to do today so everyone welcome matthew thomas of super cool radio the man behind an awesome radio station i also do dj work there as well uh, on the brutal block he uh granted me the awesome um um i guess awesomeness of playing metal music any kind of metal music i wanted he granted me that freedom and so i'm having a lot of fun over there so don't forget to check those out tuesdays at noon shameless plug but without further ado how you doing matt hey i'm doing good i am the new and improved nolan gunther if i sound exactly like matthew thomas that's because well i actually am (laughs) we we took the canadian out of adam nolan and this is what we got (laughs) <laughs> that's right and if anyone's watching on video uh to me my look i look like some uh stoned uh, uh dj from like the 60s or 70s wasn't <laughs> trying for that but here we are you cool man and right after this we're gonna play a little bit of the doors for you <laughs> yeah and then follow up with pink floyd <laughs> so i'm glad you came on man i appreciate you coming over to the basic ass dude realm um to Grace us with your presence and grace us with your wrestling knowledge. Welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. So today, I wanted to kind of make a little mini-series out of this um, because wrestling is something that I was a huge fan of growing up. Um, And like I said, sadly, Nolan is not really into wrestling, so I didn't have somebody that I could bounce wrestling stuff off of. So I'm glad that you uh, agreed to do this. And today, I figured we'd do something... Just the, as basic as possible, which would be our top three favorite wrestlers. Um, I do. If this goes well and people are into this, then I have plans to further uh, expand this as my wrestling sidekick, um, where we can do more of the you know our favorite entrances, our favorite uh, gimmicks, our favorite pay-per-views, all that fun stuff. But we could do that later on down the line. Today, we just want to focus on doing our favorite top three wrestlers and that's the bottom line because stone cold said so so with that being said i know you put some thought into it i already had mine set so i didn't have to get a pen and paper i'm going about as professional as i am with basic ass dudes in in normally which is not being prepared but i do have them up here so (laughs) well that means you are prepared yeah i didn't actually make any notes but there is all the mental notes and i have but if if anyone's looking at the action figures to my left might be telegraphing a little bit of uh who i'm deciding to pick you're a goddamn genius (laughs) and it's funny because this show at this idea of the episode kind of came out of um Another shameless plug here, but if you guys haven't taken the time to go see me, I did guest uh, star on Super Cool Radio. I was interviewed by the great Matthew Thomas on um, Super Cool Radio, and when we were building up the um, the the lead up to the show being dropped, uh, we went a whole wrestling route. Oh yeah! 
Um, and so that's kind of how I figured out that he had a love for wrestling as much as I did. So uh, it's nice to be able to find somebody that way. But we did a little promo. I did my my horrible Macho Man impression. Um, but it was so much fun that I told Matt, I was like, dude, we, we definitely got to talk wrestling uh, more often. Um, so if you haven't gone to check out that episode, please go check it out. Uh, Matthew had me for uh, a long two hours, um, but we had a lot of fun. Two hours and 12 minutes, but who's counting? <laughs> but honestly, that was a lot of fun uh, to be able to do something like that and to see people's reactions. Like people who know, know, but the people who didn't know were completely lost. And that honestly, it was kind of funny just to see all the different reactions we got. Yeah, I did. I myself personally got some uh, some backlash from that, and uh, I actually sent it to to Matt. Uh, we had a discussion about that in a private conversation. But I, I did a there's a episode on cognitive discourse. It's called High Troll. Um, so if you want to kind of get into what happened there, I ran into somebody who um, took it seriously. So they didn't understand the the satire behind what we were doing. They didn't see it. Um, they were just too caught up in their own emotional bubble i guess to see that it was a joke so they tried using that against me saying that people hated me and that my my podcast was trash and all that stuff and it made me laugh because i'm like wow i figured as goofy as we made it people would have got it but it just for some reason it just went over some people's heads which to me made it that much more fun and that that much more cooler so um again thank you for having me on there it was a great show and we get pretty deep uh you get to know know me a little bit on a on a more personal level and uh i think we had a really fun time on that show it was definitely a really fun time and with the thing i did something similar last year with like something like that happening and i always do things in three parts if the first part didn't make sense or there's like lack of information watch out in like the next like probably four to five days i'll probably drop a part two and then obviously part three for us was the interview with you and me i always do stuff in threes like that so first part doesn't make sense just wait a little bit there will be a follow-up and that was your response with the macho man yeah so you got a little ocd going there with your uh, way you drop your stuff huh <laughs> it's, it's marketing it's marketing <laughs> yes marketing <laughs> No, Matthew, Matthew, I'm learning a lot from him in, in that realm too. So that's 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 the good thing is I I'm taking notes. I watch what you do and definitely take notes and and, and learn from you. So well, don't don't take too many notes because I do mess up a lot. <laughs> hey, it's it's part of the territory. So <laughs> but, but funny uh, story real quick, because I yeah. I don't think we never really talked about this because I never really talked about it. It was kind of before I started uh really podcasting. I was security for a local wrestling show. I did that a few times. It was a lot of fun. Doorman, 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 doorman. Uh, but I couldn't like consistently do it because it happened on the weekends and I was usually out of town doing interviews. But uh, I did get involved twice uh, in shows, uh, very minor stuff. Uh, so the first one, there was a street fight between two wrestlers and one dude hit a dude with a trash can. He threw the um, trash can lid up in the air and I caught it. He didn't expect me to be right there because obviously I was keeping crowd control to make sure no one got involved. Mm-hmm. That wasn't supposed to. And uh, so he, if we, there was a quick pause of him looking at me and me looking at him. And uh, he decided to ch- kick the trash can um, just like out of, out of my hand because he, he was the heel. He was the bad guy. So, he, of course, he would do something like that. And so he kicks it out of my trash can, he goes flying and makes a loud noise, and then there'd have to be a maintenance man, and he just, not really breaking stride, it slides over to him while he's walking, he picks it up, and he keeps going on his day. <laughs> so, 
So, and then the second one, uh, there was another uh, street fight, and they were outside of the ring, and they were brawling again. I was crowd control. So, um, there, there was supposed to be a spot where, like, um, you know how like the crowd gets involved where like, you know, they pick somebody and they're supposed to like hit the you know, hit the uh, wrestler or whatever, mm-hmm. but there wasn't really anyone around who would do it. Like he pointed at like, you know, kids, they were probably like, you know, eight or 10 years old and, um, they didn't want to do it. They actually just ran away. Uh, so, <laughs> so he pointed at the security guard who was next to me and he's like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. So I'm like, well, okay, I'll have to do this then. So I chopped <laughs> the one dude and let me tell you. I, I tried, I didn't want to like, you know, obviously I didn't give like full, you know, I didn't want to, you know, hurt the guy or make the guy mad because yeah. he was bigger than me. So I didn't really do it like super hard, but it just made a very dull like thud noise. Not like the, you know, the slap where like, you know, it actually sounds good. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but I did get involved, but uh, it, the slapping is, uh, you know, the, the chest chops, um, a lot more uh, technique than really just hitting somebody. Yeah, so so you didn't go all hardcore Holly on him. You just did a little. <laughs> no, no, I, I, you know, I had a good form, I think, but not really a lot of power. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I didn't know that you uh, participated in some uh, some minor league wrestling. That's pretty dope, man. Um, something I've always wanted to do, just never never did it. Uh, but now I'm just too old. I I, I have trouble uh, going to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, classes on time. So. Uh, trying to do some public re- or uh, uh, pro wrestling would be not in my wheelhouse either. I just wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't recommend it. Um, you know, like, I I uh, I struggle doing DDP yoga, so like <laughs> I I couldn't consistently like I would love to just like show up and like because there's like um, the local wrestling our uh, Revolution Championship Wrestling. I'll give them a shout out because they're cool. Uh, they do like a Royal Rumble match uh, in September, and I, I thought about it, like pitching the idea of like, hey, have me show up for a number, but like have me do like a Spike Dudley, or you know, like get beat up before like you know I get to the you know the <laughs> ring so someone else takes my number. <laughs> I think it would be cool, but uh, obviously I'm not a trained professional. Like I don't I don't know how well it would work, and you know I also I also don't want to get hurt because well you know. Uh, yeah, just come I, out I, like uh, Gilbert, and and they, you co- as soon as you come in, you go right back out. <laughs> so I think it would be cool, but yeah. So yeah, all those events that I was talking about happened with Revolution Championship Wrestling, local uh, South Bend uh, wrestling company. They're very cool, awesome to work with. I've interviewed some of the wrestlers on my show. Oh, nice. And, uh, so yeah, no, they're they're awesome, and uh, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll, I'll be able to do that. <laughs> uh, maybe when I have better health insurance. <laughs> Well, since you've interviewed some of your wrestlers for your show, um, go ahead and send me a link of, of one of those episodes, and I'll put it down in the description. So the wrestling fans watching today, if they want to go check that out, and go down in the link and click that and go to your video there. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this top three list. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say I want to hear your top three first. So we're going to let you do your third. So that's basically how we do it. Um, I don't know if you've seen the way me and Nolan do our tops, but we typically go with our top three first. We go back and forth, and then our top two, and then our top one. Um, just in case there is any overlapping, uh, we can uh, kind of grab it right then and there. So, Matthew, what is your top three favorite wrestler of all time? I'm going to go with somebody who you should know, but you don't really watch the, the new wrestling. Uh, I recommend you do. 
He is Adam Cole, baby. He is uh, one of my favorite wrestlers to watch right now. He is currently in All Elite Wrestling. Uh, he was in NXT for a while, putting on some phenomenal matches. What I really like about him is his character work. He's a very solid wrestler, but with American wrestling, I was talking to my dad this uh, about this uh, last night. With American wrestling, you really have to be able to talk. It's not like Japanese or Lucha Libre where you can really focus on wrestling and there's not so much on the dialogue. Mm-hmm. With you know WWE especially and most of the American wrestling, you have to be able to talk. And what I really like about him is just the confidence in his talking ability. Like what he is saying, he can really sell you on. And you know, not only you know, I'm emphasizing a lot on his talking ability, he is still a really great wrestler too. Uh, he did. I don't know if you've seen the one video he did a super kick like someone was doing a moonsault ricochet was doing a moonsault and he super kicked him while he was uh, upside down oh wow <laughs> yeah it, it's pretty amazing i think you know with his character work and his wrestling ability he is one of i think the best right now you know it's a shame WWE didn't really do a whole lot with him in nxt or called him up to the main roster so it's kind of a shame i think they missed out but i think he's doing really great in all elite wrestling and uh, from the time of this recording, he did steal the AEW championship and claim he is the world champion, and I respect that. Well, aren't most of the um, wrestlers kind of going to AEW? Isn't that like the new kind of like I don't want to say WCW, but they're 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 definitely a um, a, a contention for WWE. Am I correct? I, yes, you are definitely correct. I would say it's like WCW in like 94, 95, where like they just started Nitro mm-hmm. and they're starting to pick up steam, but they're not, you know, they're not there yet. They're not at the height of the, of the Monday Night Wars or the Wednesday Night Wars, as we would say. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that, that we have another organization that that's coming up, though, because for me, that's kind of one of the reasons why I stopped watching wrestling was I liked the whole... WCW, uh, WWF, like Monday Night Wars, um, it really kept the promotions on their toes and really fought for their fan base. Um, I think Vince McMahon has gotten a little comfortable over over the years, and um, we, you know, you're just kind of seeing the exact same shit. You, you, I'm able to predict what's going to happen um, just being a fan of wrestling growing up. Now watching it, I'm like. Oh, I could predict it. Or even certain wrestlers that are coming out. I'm like, oh, this guy's trying to be like Triple H or this guy's trying to be like The Rock. Or, And, um, you know, for me, it's like... And I'm sure, you know, the generation before me is probably saying the same shit about the, when Stone Cold and Rock and all them were coming up. Um, but for me, I just... I really miss that competitive side of, of having multiple organizations kind of fighting for your attention because i think that's when you really pull the best out of these characters out of these wrestlers um and like you said american wrestling you got to have not only great mic skills but you also got to be really good in the ring and and wwf has proven that that if you're good at one but you're not good at the other um your chances of stick sticking around are going to be kind of uh, uh short term um so it's, it is sad to hear about it seems like this guy has both um but uh, I guess Vince McMahon didn't didn't appreciate him, so now he's doing something in AEW. So I'm gonna have to check that out. Yes, I highly recommend uh, you do that. Uh, I've actually he was in Ring of Honor. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Um, you know, <laughs> we're supposed to be talking about wrestling here, and I'm talking about wrestling. You don't know what I'm talking about. You 
And, but again, that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because you're more of like the new school wrestler because our we do have an age difference. Um, and I'm I'm like that. I'm the old man shouting. Ah, it was better in my day. Um, you know, I come from from you know '90s, uh, early 2000s wrestling. That was that was my heyday of wrestling. And then um, I started getting into music and and band stuff. So I kind of fell off around the mid 2000s. And that was when I started doing tours and stuff like that. So I wasn't able to kind of keep up with wrestling. Um, I do watch it occasionally. So there are some new wrestlers that I do know. Um, just on YouTube watching, you know, clips here and there. So there are stuff that I know. Um, but as far as um, understanding the story, the lore behind certain um, um, story paths, I, I don't know all of that because I don't watch it um, religiously like I used to. <laughs> well, I watch AEW pretty uh, re- religiously on Wednesday and Fridays because I have DVR because, yes, I am that fancy. But Adam <laughs> Cole is a dude to watch, man. I, I hope eventually... Hope eventually he does become world champ, but I I've just been enjoying the his his character work that he's been doing. Plus, uh, I'm gonna say another wrestler who you're not familiar with, and that's okay. Uh, he's uh, in a relationship with Britt Baker, who is the former AEW uh, Women's Champion. And I was listening to an interview by her, and she said the biggest thing he taught her about wrestling is just you have to have confidence, even if you're not sure exactly what you're doing or how you're gonna do it. You have to have that confidence. And watching her progress in AEW. You can really see, like, just the the way she does things, definitely influenced by Adam Cole. She just has that confidence, and the way that she says things is very confident. I think that's very important in wrestling or pretty much anything, like what we do or wrestling or whatever. You have to have that confidence because you can't sell something if you don't have that confidence because it's not believable. Exactly. Yeah, I I think a lot of people um, also misconstrue confidence and it and it and they try to be overly confident and it becomes cocky i think that you have to know the difference between being cocky and being confident um so yeah it's, it's that whole fake it till you make it type of mentality and and um you know yeah like even in, in podcasting and music and stuff like that when i was on stage um there's been many a times that i've joined a band and the first couple shows are a little rocky and um you know a lot of the times people didn't even realize that I was new to the band because, you know, you have to be confident. Even if I fucked up on, on a, on a song, I never stopped. I kept going. You just keep moving and you just, you know, worry about it later. That shit's going to make it to where you can't sleep at night later on. But the majority of the time, especially when it comes to, um, a sport or an art that, you know, the fans that are watching the majority of them don't understand what you're doing anyway. And then this falls into the whole wrestling thing as well. Um, we we like to think we know what you're doing and some of us yes we can see when 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 moves are botched but it's how you um bounce back from that botch um and and how well you cover it up and and make it seem like well that was part of the show that was supposed to happen if you're making me question if that was supposed to happen or not then you 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 did your job and then that's the confidence level that so yeah i totally agree um same thing when 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 i played bass on, on shows um even drums there were plenty of times when i would break something on stage and uh you know, oh, well, guess I can't use that no more. And you just kind of tailor your your show to around that thing. You you adapt. Um, so yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, and uh, just the real quick, sorry, I, I know I'm talking a lot. I will oh, get no to worries. your top three. The thing um, I think that like the wrestling community is a little bit harsh on his botches. To me, unless there's something like completely wrong where it's not recoverable from, or someone gets injured, I consider that a botch. But if there's something where did it look the cleanest? No, but was it effective? Did it, you know, t- did it progress the the moves? To me, I don't really consider that a botch. Or if they play it off like 
you know, they, they went to do something, you know, like you see a wrestler slip off the ropes mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes it is planned. Like it's hard to tell when, you know, when it is actually planned or not, but when stuff like that happens, but then they play it off like it was meant to be part of the show, I don't consider that a botch. And I always think of people like um, Ric Flair is known for this and and Samoa Joe. Um, I think that they – I have a feeling they kind of share your sentiment in the sense of because they kind of poke fun at botches and it's like that the walkaway fall. I feel like that's always kind of like that like – Fuck you guys for always pointing out our botches. Like, yeah, it happens. You know, when you're when you're performing, you know, what ninety five percent out of the year, they're they're running like three hundred and something days a a year, um, and some of them probably all year three hundred sixty five days. Um, shit's gonna happen. And then when you're going out there and you're tired, again, a lot of people who like to point out those botches, I don't think they've ever done anything physically demanding. Um, and again, this is coming from somebody who. You know, I, I I just started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, hi, Mark, if you're watching. Um, I know he's kind of mad at me because I haven't been able to go to, to practice as much. I've been really busy the past couple of weeks. and um, But when I do go, when I do show up and, and, I, and I, I'm there to practice, the, the, we're only practicing for an hour. Uh, and a lot of times, the first 30 minutes is us learning some new tactics, learning some new holds, learning some new uh, escapes and, and whatnot. And then the other 30 minutes is us rolling with everybody in class. And we roll for six minutes, uh, like I think it's uh, two or three rounds of six minutes um, with one person, and then we do it with another person, and then we do it with another person. And that shit is killer, man. It, I mean, it really pulls that cardio out of you. Um, and so to think like doing that one time and then waking up the next day and being like, okay, I got to go do this shit again, it, it, it wears on you. So yes, botches happen. Um, the one thing I will say though, is some of the botches that I've seen is I, I love that wrestlers w- w- look out for each other and sometimes botches happen, but as long as the other wrestler is able to not only hide it, but protect the guy who botched it and make sure that they don't get hurt, then that's that it's a win in my book, you know? I, I definitely agree. So I, I'm, that's my top three is Adam Cole, baby. So what about you? So my third pick is going to be somebody who I feel has had a great run in the wrestling organization. Uh, All my picks are going to be mainly from WWF. Um, But it was somebody who scared the living shit out of me when I was a kid. Um, And I loved that character because of it. I love the mystery behind the character. Now, Later on in his career, I think they fucked him up. Um, they try to go back to the heyday, but I think once you fuck him up, you fuck him up. Um, so without further ado, my pick is going to be Kane. The big red machine. <laughs> that is a very solid pick. I'll let you elaborate, and then I'll give you my thoughts. Cool. Yeah, so Kane, again, I picked Kane because he is by far, when people bring up the the conversation of who was the greatest wrestler of all time, Um I always feel like Kane is undershadowed um, and uh, or overshadowed. I don't know. Overshadowed. Either way, I, I don't think he gets brought up in the conversation enough. Um, Kane is, is is definitely a character that was something different during that time. Um, like I said, he scared the crap out of me. I love the fact that he didn't talk early in his career. He just came out. He tore shit up um, and then disappeared. And then, like, I feel like... A lot of people want to talk about Goldberg's record and how he went undefeated in WCW and he was this this monster of a wrestler. But the difference is, not only was Kane 
the same thing. You know, he he came out and he did his thing, and, and he there were a lot of times he'd come out, he'd finish people off, and then he'd go back, and you wouldn't see him for the rest of the night. But the thing about I think the difference between Kane and Goldberg is that Kane um, actually knew how to wrestle, and, and he was I mean a lot of Goldberg's matches. Uh, and again, this is not taking away from Goldberg, but a lot of Goldberg's matches they were short because he wasn't the greatest in the ring. Um, he he was a a good looking figure. Like Goldberg, Bill Goldberg looked cool and like he looked tough. Uh, but when it came to his ring in ring ability, it wasn't there. Whereas Kane, Kane not only looked the part, but he could play the part. Um, then he started to kind of talk, and then we kind of got like that little, little soft softer side of Kane. I was still okay with that um, when he was teaming up with X Pac. Those were probably some of my favorite matches, just watching somebody super tiny and somebody super huge um, teaming together. And then, of course, you had the Brothers of Destruction, which was one of my favorite tag teams. Um, but when they took his mask off, I think that that was a, uh, a, a bad bad way to go. Now, I'm not going to say that I wasn't interested in seeing what he looked like. Um, I definitely was in I think everybody wanted to see what he looked like, and I think that's what kind of pushed them to want to take the mask off of him but I would have much preferred them to do that and then he just went back to wearing the mask again um, you know it may have seemed dumb but it's one of those things where it's like don't fuck with the mask I think when they did that and then we got corporate cane and we got all that I just I wasn't into him as much anymore he wasn't as intimidating as much anymore um, just seeing it was to me it was just another giant bald dude um, and it just kind of lost the essence that was Kane. I think you make some very good points. I really didn't think about before Kane. I will say, like, up until, like, 2004, like, I would say early 2004 when he faced The Undertaker at WrestleMania 20, I think Kane was still looked at as a very intimidating force. Because, like, after he got unmasked, he went on a tear. He was beating up all the McMahons. He was facing Shane McMahon in those crazy uh, stipulation matches where they tried to murder each other. Some really great stuff, by the way, like, you know, not that, you know, I like murder, you know, I didn't, <laughs> let me, let me preference that a little bit better. I think it was very over the top, you know, with the last man standing match and then the ambulance match at Survivor Series 2003. I think they were some insane matches, but I also think it showed that Kane really can work and it, he doesn't, he didn't need that kind of gimmick when he was facing Shane. But I think afterwards, especially after his Undertaker feud at Mania, um, it kind of got stale. Like he was teaming for the big show with a while. He's facing fake Kane. It was, unfortunately they didn't really know how they to brought, handle. They brought in a fake Kane. You don't remember that? No. This is the second conversation I've had within this week about people, uh, and fake Kane. Yes. Well, I, I knew was- that they had a fake undertaker. Like they had the whole undertaker fighting each other. So it, again, this is where I'm talking about like another, like rehashed, premise like we already got that with the undertaker so now you're doing that with kane like you know uh I, okay <laughs> i believe that was 2005 or 6 i don't exactly remember uh the year but yes uh and the fake kane beat kane at a pay-per-view and the the plan was that actually kane was thinking about retirement so they're gonna have somebody else take over for kane because that works so well for when they did that with Diesel and, and fucking uh, Razor Ramon. And because they own the copyrights, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, Which, to- funny enough, I know I don't mean to cut you off, but funny enough, wasn't that the guy the guy who plays Kane, wasn't that uh, the guy who they picked to pick uh, the replacement Diesel? Didn't he yes. play Diesel for a little bit? So, yes, there you go. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, but the, the problem with Kane is they just – 
he did survive a bunch of bad storylines. Like this is an infamous one, infamous one. I don't know if you're familiar with it. This was like Oh two, I believe the Katie Vick angle. I don't, I'm not going to get into it just of how uh, weird and out there was. I don't know if you, you probably might've not have been uh, watching around. That no. Time. Yeah. I was, I was watching around that time. I think I stopped watching around like the 2005, whenever okay. John Cena started to kind of come in and get big. Um, Cause I remember watching Cena when he was, when he first started, he came out in like little, uh, I think they were red underwear and red boots and little knee pads. And yeah, he just came out like, yeah, just a basic ass wrestler. Um, and then I remember his whole rap thing. Yep. And that was kind of when I was like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> was, do, do you, are you familiar with the Katie Vick storyline? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, to be able to survive a bad storyline like that and then like survive a bunch of bad storylines, you know, from like pretty much 2006 to pretty much the end of his career, um, I think is very impressive. Yeah, it just shows how good of a worker and good of a character that he could make it, even giving these awful storylines. Well, not only that, he was given awful characters. I mean, look at what he was doing before. Like I mentioned, he played a a fake Diesel. He played a a maniac dentist at one point. Isaac Yankum. Yeah, so I mean, he 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 had. It's a perfect story, and this is why I wanted him in my list of, of a wrestler who he has the talent, he has the build, um, but. Now it's trying to find that perfect character arc to meld it all together. And then it showed that you had a guy who, who could do it. He could look the part, but all these other characters just weren't working, just weren't working. And then when, when you went the, the Kane route, this big red machine route, um, it, it worked for him. And sadly, Kane, see, I like old Kane, Attitude Kane, because if you look at that Kane too, um, he's way more cut. His, his arms are just fucking massive. Um, he ended up suffering an, a shoulder injury um, around, I want to say, the mid to early 2000s, which is one of the reasons why he didn't. you didn't see him do a lot of like real crazy stuff as far as athletic stuff. And he started getting a little fat and a little out of shape, um, not only because he's a lot older, but um, that shoulder injury kind of, I think, um, really played its role. But despite all of that, you still get to see his just brute strength throughout his career the dude was just i think he was one of the strongest dudes um and a lot of people will point to cena or even like mark henry um but i think if we're going on just brute strength i i'm my my uh tickets always on 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 team kane <laughs> and I, I think i think you might be right because i know big show uh, was talking about in their interview like kane picked him up now and this is like 99 i believe he was talking about um that kane picked him up and was holding him for a sidewalk slam with one arm he didn't even need mm-hmm his other arm like to me that like you know not take away i think anyone who lifts up the big show like you know sting randy savage you know john cena everyone who's like picked up the big show i think is impressive hulk hogan in 2007 you know like that kind of stuff i i'm always impressed it doesn't really matter who it is hell yeah hell yeah so that's gonna be my pick and um i'm glad that you kind of uh agree with me on that because again he was one of my favorite as a as a child um and i'm i'm on the search uh, for i don't buy a lot of wrestling ac- action figures but uh but definitely kane is is in there if i ever find if i can find an old school figure which i know they go for crazy amounts now but uh that's definitely a figure i want in my collection i, I have a replica <laughs> one but it's from like 2013 so not you know it's, it, but it's like his debut attire it looks pretty sick I, if See, i knew I you were would- gonna <laughs> if you knew, if I knew you were gonna, I would find it. It's in a box, like right behind me. 
Uh, it's uh, all good, man. We'll, like I said, we have plenty of other wrestling episodes we could do. We find it in the future, and he can just. It, it will be like Disney. Um, they like to put Mickey Mouse ears throughout their their park. We'll just have Kane magically appear somewhere throughout the video. <laughs> I like it. So now we're gonna move on to our number two pick. So Matthew, who is your number two? Oh yeah, coming in at number two, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Because you got to snap into a slim gym. It's Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Dig it. Yeah. Randy Savage. I think you know you have the Hulk Hogan, you have the Ultimate Warrior, the Golden Age of Wrestling. You know the the mid to late eighties. But they were kind of one-dimensional characters. No no shade to Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior. I do think they're really great characters. Oh, you could throw all the shades you want at Hogan. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm just worried about where we're going from here. <laughs> to my point, Randy Savage had a character that stuck out so much. Like, he had the flamboyant colors. Like, you know, I'm wearing his shirt right now. But the, the flamboyant colors, the, the look, and kind of the unpredictability with his personality because, like, he was teamed with Hulk Hogan as a mega powers, and he and he turns on Hogan for somewhat legitimate reasons. Um, and I think it just shows like he was really one of the first to add multiple layers to his character. I believe, mm-hmm. you know, uh, given like who were the big stars back then, you know, like you know Hulk Hogan. You know, he's a really patriotic American. Again, I like Hulk Hogan. No, uh, no dig on him, but it's kind of one dimensional. That's why he had to change it up with the NWO. Uh, you know, years later, or like Ultimate Warrior wasn't, you know, he had a few good years and then he left. And then, you know, there's a whole saga with that. Mm-hmm. Or like Andre the Giant, where he was, you know, he was a cool, he was a cool dude, but he was just like, he was like a massive dude. That mm-hmm. was his, his gimmick, his character. You know, he didn't really do a whole lot of talking. He would win pretty much almost every battle royal he was in, you, you know, that kind of peanut? stuff. <laughs> and again, those are great characters. I think they, they stood up the test of time because, you know, all the characters that were in WWE, I would say those three really stood out. But Randy Savage, to me, is the cream of the crop, brother. Because, <laughs> you know, again, he could do the wrestling very well. He's very smooth in the ring. Like, he could, he planned out every match, you know, before he did it. No matter where he was working, he would plan out the, the match with his opponent the night before. So they, he didn't like talking in the ring. So he would just, it was all just based on memory of, like, everything that would do it. And he, obviously Interesting. Was, yeah. <laughs> You know, DDP was talking about that because DDP did the same thing. And when he worked with Randy Savage in WCW, he's like, that's like something that I really, you know, that he really liked because he did the same thing as Randy Savage. So that's how they Yeah, I feel like that's something I would do too, just because I I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to put my faith in my ears that I hear you correctly with everything going on. Uh, You know, I would definitely be like, all right, let's make a plan ahead of time. So we kind of have an idea and then we'll just kind of flow together as we go, you know. Exactly. And that's why I like. And what I really, oh no, his hat fell off. <laughs> Dang it, Randy Savage. Now, the funny thing you say about Savage is that I, I like that you brought up the other two guys, Hogan and, and Warrior, because if, if if you were to give me those three to pick, I would agree with you, and I, I would go Macho Man, just because I feel like Macho Man is the be, he, he's the best, best of both worlds. He has that, um, that Hogan aura. But he also has the see, yeah, dude, the the extremeness of the warrior without being too over the top like the Ultimate Warrior was. Um, you know, I, I think he's the best of both worlds when it comes to those three. He gets a little bit of Hogan, he gets a little bit of Warrior, and you get Macho Man. 
Yeah, and what I'm kind of doing with my picks is like I'm trying to pick different eras of like who I thought the best was in each era. And it is kind of different. Like the modern wrestling is a lot different from the 80s wrestling. The 80s oh, wrestling, yeah. it's, it's a little bit, it's like, it's like playing a video game from the 90s compared to a video game today. That's the way I look at it because it was a little bit slower, you know, didn't look as clean with like the, the television, you know, it was a little bit gritty. But, um, plus you still, also had a lot of like, Back then, and I think Vince still probably feels this way if someone was to ask him, but big men ruled the 80s. So you have these big clunky dudes trying to move around, whereas now you have, like, your your third pick was somebody who, he's not a super huge guy. He looks lean. He looks very athletic. He can do some crazy shit, you know. So you have a, a shift in body types, I think, as well. Um, of course, we still have big men, but those big men move around like the dudes in the 80s, so. <laughs> yeah, or, or you get, like, some, like, uh, like, you know, like, Mike Awesome or, like, even Wardlow in AEW. Like, these dudes can move, uh, you know, and fly around, which I think is cool, you know, because mm-hmm. you didn't, it wasn't as, as accepted back then. Um, with it because uh, a lot of promotions or other wrestlers say, hey, these big guys, they can't do, you know, cruiser cruiser uh, weight type uh, moves because it would take away from the cruiser weights. And then I did we got agree Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was an, you know, there's a reason he doesn't do that anymore. But you know. <laughs> but uh, I think he also, if my, if my memory serves me correctly, he was one of the first big dudes that I remember who kind of like paved that way as far as being showing those athletic skills as far as being like a big dude who's, you know, he's close to 300 pounds jumping off a top rope. I mean, and that dude is massively huge. Like he's just a big wrestling guy. So <clears throat> yeah, it's, you should also check out Mike Awesome in ECW in the late nineties um, because he was doing like splashes off the top. He was doing uh, diving clothesline, suicide dives, like all of that crazy stuff. And nice. he was like, he was like six ten, three hundred. 300. So Woo! yeah, yeah. Or not? Was he six ten? No, I'm sorry. That's sorry. I might be exact. I think he was six seven. Anyway, whatever. Still, still tall. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a big dude. He was a big dude. Uh, so you should check that out too. Uh, but anyway, sorry. Getting back to Savage real quick. And I, I also what I liked for him is the the flying elbow finish. The re- the reason I like that because you know Warrior's got a splash. You know Hogan's got the late drop. Andre's got you know a slam or whatever. Or just stood there. Um, <laughs> Uh, so with the Savage, like it was very rare back then for people to go to the top. It was, uh, and honestly, some promotions said you couldn't go to the top. You know, it was very uh, unique and unusual. You know, for people back then to go to the top rope, and you know, he would do his diving axe handle, and he would do you know, obviously the the trademark elbow, which no one else can mimic or duplicate. He had his own style and flair to it. Mm-hmm. And just his his voice in general, man. Like I, I think that's really what made me love Macho Man. Is why when we were doing the whole, you know, building up our episode, why kind of what I mean, my Macho Man impression is nowhere near some of some of wrestlers that knew him that could pull it off. Um, but like I think Jake the Snake Roberts does an amazing Macho Man if you haven't heard it. But I found um, that funny. <laughs> but it's like you know his voice. It was it was and. From what other people have said, again, I still kind of doubt if it's true or not. But from other wrestlers, they said that 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 was his actual voice. So if that was his real voice, it's like, like, dude, that's okay. That's something that's unique. Um, and of course, you know, when you when you're bringing in wrestlers, you want to find something that's going to make them unique, something that's going to make them different from other wrestlers. And so not only does he have that ring ability um, and and can pull off moves 
um, that other people can't really replicate, but he had a voice that not many people could replicate. Um, you know, and, and again, that's why I said like, it was, he, to me, he, he's, he's Hogan. He's the ultimate warrior put together. Um, because even Hogan kind of had some of that raspiness, but it just, it wasn't quite as good as Macho Man. <laughs> I, I definitely agree. And, and just the thing with, with those wrestlers back then, they were very one dimensional and Randy Savage really, build up a really unique character like even just listening to his promos like even if you take out the you know take out the the way he says it or his voice or something he was using very elaborate uh like words and sentences to really sell you on something and the voice just added to it because like when he spoke you listened mm-hmm. yep and that's that's ultimately what for me like we will do an episode in the future of um wrestlers that were really good on the mic um and, and macho man Although I don't know if he'll make my list, um, he definitely is an honorable mention because um, there are some other wrestlers out there that I really enjoy on the with their mic skills. But like you said, there's just the the wordplay and the way his voice was um, just really it, it it grabbed you. It really grabbed your attention, and so I, I totally agree with you. I think Macho Man is a solid two pick for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> So my top two, my second pick is going to be somebody who I feel is going to be on your list now that I see your action figures, but he is my second pick. Um, again, I've always been into the dark side of wrestling. I am a metalhead at heart. I was a little goth kid in high school. I've always just enjoyed that side of of everything that I'm into, and wrestling um doesn't escape that you know um it's funny enough me and nolan were talking about the brood on one of these episodes uh, he remembers the brood he knows who the brood was i was like i fucking love the brood Gangrel was a wrestler who i feel is super underrated and didn't get the love that he should have got and i think they fucked up they shouldn't have let him talk i think that's what fucked his career but nonetheless i like the dark side of wrestling and that's one of the reasons why i was really into the attitude era because one of my favorite wrestlers in that time was the undertaker um, and I definitely loved Ministry Undertaker. Um, I did, the Ministry of Darkness was one of my favorite groups. WWE had this thing back in the day where everybody had to be a part of something. You had, you know, the, the Nation of Domination. You had the uh, the Brood. You had the Ministry, and then we got DX and you Corporation, had, like, the Corporation. Union. Yeah, you had all of these crazy groups that were around. And, and for me, I think one of the most solid ones was the Ministry. I love the whole storyline of undertaker going after stephanie mcmahon back in the day and just that whole that whole story arc was just really cool to me as a kid um and so i think the undertaker was solid i even the reason why he's my second pick is because not only was he a badass back then but then they changed his 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 gimmick and he became this badass biker um wasn't my favorite but if anybody was going to be able to pull it off i think the undertaker was the perfect call um, but what I loved about the undertaker too, and, and this is just him as, as a wrestler, as, uh, as a whole. And, and, and I love that he's doing interviews now, um, because he didn't do anything back then. He never broke character. Um, and so that was one of the things that I loved about undertakers that undertaker, when you met him, that's who you were getting. You didn't get the guy who played undertaker. You got the undertaker. And in some way that maybe that might be one of the reasons why I liked Kane as well. I never got to meet Kane when I was a kid, but Something tells me that when you met Kane, you got Kane. Like, and, and he terrified the fuck out of you. And 
that's as a fan that's what i want i, I want to be able to meet the wrestler uh if i hate you then that means if you're supposed to be a bad guy and i don't like you keep that going don't when i show up don't sit there and be friendly like if that's your character be that character that's something that i totally because uh, it really pulls you into the universe and 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 makes the universe feel real um you know a lot of people talk shit about wrestling but again you know with wrestlers there's more to just the athletic side of it there's that acting side of it and um for the undertaker that was one of the things i loved is that he stayed away from interviews he really didn't talk to people um because he wanted that mystery of what the undertaker was to resonate with us as fans and now that he's retired I, I'm loving the fact that he's doing interviews. I love that we get to see who played The Undertaker because now the, the Undertaker saga is over. So now we can get to hear those, all the crazy stories and all. And it's it, it, it was a build-up to something that, like, I really respect him as a wrestler because it's like, dude, you, you, you for so many years you played this character and now we're able to um, find out all the behind-the-scenes stuff, which it just seems like it's it's well-earned. Like, you know what I mean? Because he could have did all that stuff during his career, but it wouldn't have hit as, as as good as it is now. You know, now I'm an adult, grew up, I have all these memories of The Undertaker as a kid, and now he's telling all these stories. I'm like, oh, I fucking remember when that time frame, and it, it's, we get to take that nostalgia walk with him, and, and, and I'm totally enjoying it. And for me, that's why I feel The Undertaker is a legend, and that's why he's in my top poop two pick. But I think I'm I'm gonna take this time to like segue into my my number one, and I will I, I'm gonna comment on what you have to say, and then I'll segue into mine because it is also the Undertaker. What um, well I do want to talk about you talked about Ministry uh, Taker. I I gotta bring this up because I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, the higher power with the Ministry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was me, Austin. It was me all along. Um. People say that's like one of the biggest letdowns in the history of wrestling. Uh, I think that's a little over-exaggerated, but also kind of true. Because, um, unfortunately, I think Jake the Snake was a, was supposed to be the higher power, but unfortunately he had some issues at that time and was unable to you know, commit and you know, be uh, able to be a wrestler in the company. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a shame because they had to go. It would have been awesome. <laughs> they had, I think they had some other people too, and there's no one was working out. Um, and it is kind of a shame because the storyline just didn't make any sense. And combine uh, to me, combining the corporation and the ministry, I don't doesn't seem like something. Honestly, the Undertaker would do like you know as a character, like oh yeah, let me team up with this boss. Like I understand like the ultimate goal was to become champion, which he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he was successful for a little bit, becoming champion. Uh, but just that whole thing just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you, there's there's some other wrestlers that uh, we can get into here in a little while um, that I feel like were bad calls as well as trying to become like the whole corporate side of things. That, that it was a bad call for a few wrestlers, and and uh, yeah, Undertaker definitely fits in, in that category. <laughs> but what you're talking about with like him doing interviews and stuff, I know I've seen people like online saying that the Undertaker like you know he's ruining his legacy by doing interviews and stuff, and I think. Here's the thing. He's in the Hall of Fame. He is, for the most part, retired, even though he did end his Hall of Fame speech with Never Say Never. I don't like that. But um, for right now, he is retired. And I think he has the opportunity to you know, talk about interviews. He can kind of be a little bit more of himself now. And I think it's mm-hmm. cool because for 20-plus years, you know, he did do uh, – actually, I think it's 30 years. Uh, he did do a few interviews as the biker, but he was still in character. It wasn't yeah. just him. 
and it's funny seeing him like as the biker undertaker like on like the today show or like a news show or um he fought a late night host with the it was a pillow fight between him and whoever the late night host was in like 2003 (laughs) so which was funny you know but like doing stuff like that but outside of that like once he became undertaker like actual undertaker in 2004 he didn't do any really guest appearances or if he did he was still in character so I think he, he's earned the right to do these interviews and like kind of speak a little bit more freely because again he is for the most part retired. Yeah, and not only that, he does it in a, in a like one of my favorite interviews he did was with Stone Cold. And again, it's like it's just him talking to another wrestler, a guy that he he you know shared his career with, and they're just talking old stories and stuff like that. So I I love that type of shit. I love I love that side of wrestling. I love seeing wrestlers pull back that veil a little bit and give us a little insight. You know, and again, it, it could be because I'm an entertainer my, myself. We do podcasts. There's a lot of interesting things that happen behind the scenes with, with our shows. So to be able to share that with people uh, and, and having people share that with us, I think that's that that's ultimately the um, the the spark that that really gets me intrigued into into all that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I do really enjoy like you know, Chris Jericho has his own podcast. Stone Cold has his own podcast, and to really just hear about like the the stuff that goes on behind the scenes because rest the whole wrestling like world community whatever you want to call it like it is so wacky just with like everything that goes on behind the scenes between like either like politics or like this person got hurt so yeah so this guy in or just like there is so much that goes on behind the scenes that like yeah the wrestling itself is very entertaining that's why i watch it but just everything that goes on behind the scenes i'm just fascinated by Mm -hmm. what i find funny though is that you have um, and some of you, some of you fans may feel like you're being attacked here, but, um, it's weird because there are people out there that, you know, it's still real to me. Damn it. It's still real to me. Damn it. <laughs> and then there's other people that are, that understand that what we're watching is, is entertainment. Um, it, it is a ballet, if you will. Um, so the reason why I don't get super offended when, you know, they break kayfabe is because again, it's, it's, it's acknowledging that yes, this is a world that exists. It's real in this world. Um, but outside of it, you know, again, I like to know what goes on behind the scenes. I like to know, um, people outside of that. Um, and it may sound like I'm contradicting what I said about the undertaker, but the undertaker has that right to do those interviews now, like I said, because I think he he stayed in KFF for so long, being able to come out and finally be like, hey, man, I have stories to share with you, you know, especially coming from a guy who was such, he was so respected, and he was one of those guys that, like, if he didn't like you, you were going to have a hard time in the industry, um, and if he liked you, then the fact that he liked you, there was a chance, uh, uh, you would get a boosted chance of getting an actual push, um, so... You know, being able to hear from a guy with that much respect, with that much pull in an organization, and the fact that he would stay loyal to to Vince McMahon his entire career, um, you know, he he was. I I have a lot of respect for that, but I also understand that it is a world. You know, I don't think that um, Chris Evans is actually Captain America. Son, just don't. You know what I mean? Like, so if he talks about Captain America outside of the MCU. I'm interested in knowing the behind the scenes details on that stuff because I, I can pull away from the universe and say, okay, now we're, we're, this is what we're focusing on. And then, oh, you want to go back into the universe? Okay, I can put on my make-believe hat and let's go back into that universe. Um, and I think a lot of people have that, that, that issue of being able to kind of separating the two. 
And I think it's also, it could just also be because wrestling gets so much fucking flack from people who don't understand the world that the people that do understand the world are like, they want to, they want to pull you into the world, but they don't, they, they don't know how to disassociate themselves and, and figure out with what's what. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm a little bit torn when it comes to stuff like that, because I think um, for certain angles and storylines, I think it helps to be more in kayfabe like to to really if you're doing like a short run to sell something like you Mm -hmm. know like you know this person is you know a maniac he's out of control he's attacking you know reporters or producers or something i think you know when they suspend someone because of you know uh you know they attack somebody so they get suspended or whatever so they don't appear on the show next week or whatever um i think you do need a little bit of that i think to just to help like because yeah we can all go oh okay yeah you know you know, it's a work, it's, you know, it's part of the show, whatever. But I think you still need a little bit of uh, doubt in people's minds. Is this really supposed to happen? Like, you know, when I interviewed, one of, the last time I interviewed a wrestler, he attacked me and like threw me off camera. And um, mm-hmm. so like my next video, I was in a neck brace, you know, because <laughs> it, it made sense to do that. And obviously I had people going, are you okay? What happened? Cause they didn't watch my other videos, which is why I had to say that, you know, when we started this earlier, make sure you watch all the videos because mm-hmm. I do stuff in multiple parts. Uh, but it made the most sense. Cause like, if I'm just walking around going, Hey, I'm fine, you know, whatever it doesn't, you know, it didn't sell, you know, cause we were selling a show cause they had a show coming up on, you know, on their first show on Twitch. And um, he was supposed to be, you know, he was supposed to be someone who was going to get really aggressive. He didn't like, you know, when you talked about a certain wrestler, so he would attack people. So I think you do need a little bit of that to sell it. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause also it, it gets the intrigue, it gets people talking and, but you don't have to be, you know, in character like 24 seven. If I, if I see them in, you know, the airport, you know, do they have to be in character? No, you know, like they could just be whoever they want. Cause you know, they're just traveling. They're not, you know, in uh you know, a wrestling ring or whatever. But I do respect those. Oh, I do too. Choose to stay in it. Like, you know, going back to the whole Undertaker thing, I, it is respectable if, especially if they're a bad guy or they're supposed to be mysterious or something like that. If they can stay into that character, great. Um, but yeah, like my my whole argument for that was more of like the people who want to judge, like you were saying, people, you know, Undertaker getting flack for coming out and now being kind of open about it. It's like, well, he's not in kayfabe no more. He's the, the character for the time being is is retired, is gone, is is dead from the universe. So. Um, like why not talk about that stuff? That stuff is, is interesting. And, and the fact that he didn't do it for 20 something years, 30 years, it's like, dude, like this is, we, we all should be happy because it's something that not only he deserves to, to say if he wants to, but we get to, to benefit from it too, because you know, I'm anybody who's an undertaker fan is like, fuck yeah, I want to hear this shit, you know? <laughs> no, and, and definitely for sure. And I, again, I have so much you know respect for him to, for, for everything that he did. And again, for him being a big guy, I think he's like 6'10", 6'11", uh, whatever, to jump over the top rope like he would, I think it, it's insanely impressive. And just the quality of matches that he could pretty much work with almost anyone and have a great match. You know, there's some exceptions where, like, you know, he wasn't in the ring with, like, the best, you know, um, opponent and things like that. And, you know, not everyone has, like, five-star matches all the time, you know, unless you're Dave Meltzer. Um <laughs> But like him versus Sean at WrestleMania, the WrestleMania 25, 26 was amazing. You know, him at Triple, you know, him and Triple H at WrestleMania, he could work with everybody. And honestly, he really benefited. It's one of my with- favorite matches, by the way, just because 
the 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 sheer sheer brute that uh, and brutality that Undertaker does on Triple H during that match. One of my favorite matches, by the way. <laughs> uh, which Mania you're talking? I didn't specify. Um, was it seventeen? I think is that the one where like he he basically ragdolls Triple H most of the match. Is, was he um, in his biker character? I think so. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna have to go back. I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and look because it's one of those wrestling matches that just it's ingrained in my brain that I remember that they fought and I remember that I love that match and I've watched it like five years ago, like rewatched it, but I can't remember if it was. But it was probably WrestleMania 17. I'm gonna have to look up to I'll look it up now. But that's that's one of my favorite matches. Yeah, because well, they faced off three times and I think all of them were good. I didn't think the WrestleMania 27 one was that great because Undertaker had like shoulder surgery three months before the match. Uh, but uh, the Hell in a Cell match um, with him at 28, Triple H Undertaker, with Shawn Michaels as the referee, I thought told uh, an amazing story. And it was actually like one of the first times I thought that Undertaker could lose at WrestleMania. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it wasn't that one. So it more than likely it was 17 because it was, it was a younger Triple H. Yeah. Um, this was way before King of Kings and all that shit. This was when uh, Triple H was fucking top physique, long-haired, you know, he's always in uh, great physique. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think this was even before his motor, his first Motorhead song. This is when he um, had the self song. Maybe, or maybe he just got the Motorhead theme. I know they performed at one of the Manias. I can't remember if it was seventeen or eighteen. I don't remember. Yeah, no, I, I don't think they performed at this one because Triple H got his ass handed to him. Um, so that now I'm going to have to do some research. Uh, people are probably screaming at their screens right now. Like it's, that's why I'm... <laughs> well, it's probably, like, it's like, um, us and, um, let's talk on Isaac. Isaac uh, yeah. he was talking, like he was getting mad at us because we didn't know sports when we were doing our interview. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're, we, we just accidentally make people upset just by our lack of knowledge of stuff where we can describe what's going on. We have, we cannot recall specific events. Yeah, I got old man fart memory. But and by the way, Isaac, if you're watching this, I know who LeBron James is. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, he plays for the Browns. <laughs> but um, but uh, uh, sorry, real, uh, well, are, are you finished with your top two, uh, or should I go into my top one? No, no, yeah, go ahead okay. and, and and we'll we'll finish talking Undertaker. I'm I'm all about Undertakers right now. So. Right, well, I have uh, this is a 2004 one, or you can say it's the um, his current attire because he's wearing leather pants. But it's officially 2004 when he faced Kane. Oh, nice. Have you seen the new figure that just came out? Of no, Undertaker? which one? Uh, there's a new one that just came. I saw it at Target the other day, and um, I, I I'm 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 kind of bummed because I didn't pick it up. But it looks like um old school like Ministry Kane. It looks it looks pretty dope. Nice. But, I have yeah. I couldn't find it, but I have a, a purple nineteen ninety five. Not from nineteen ninety five. It's a replica, but it's from it's nineteen ninety five attire with like the purple gloves and the boots and and oh uh, nice. The hat. It looks pretty sweet. I have to pick that. I have to get that one too. But I couldn't find the hat, so that's why. <laughs> uh, but when I started really watching wrestling was in the end of two thousand seven, beginning of two thousand eight. It's funny. Uh, my grandpa got me into watching wrestling. I was hanging out at his house one day, and it was Friday night. Um, and he's like, "Dude, uh, we gotta watch. We gotta watch Friday Night SmackDown." And like, I didn't know that he watched wrestling, but apparently he was a wrestling fan. I just never knew about it. And uh, so, so we started watching SmackDown. And I think he was a big fan of Rey Mysterio. He liked, you know, when he did the six one nine, he would jump mm-hmm. you know, through the ropes and all that. So Ooh, that's that when jump, I started. Bro. R-E-Y, Mysterio. Here we go. <laughs> that's that's his uh, pre-P.O.D. theme. 
man. But we started really watching that, and like that was kind of like the thing uh, that really got me into started watching wrestling because he, my grandpa, was getting excited watching wrestling. So I was like, man, I gotta check this out more. And uh, the first character that I really noticed because this is like Undertaker when he was still on SmackDown, he was still the man on SmackDown. He was facing like Edge and you know La Familia and all that stuff, and just beating their asses, and it was awesome. And he still had like you know the mystique with the Undertaker. The lights would go out, lights would go on. He would show up in the ring. You know, he would still be doing things like that. I know, um, kind of got away with that, you know, and obviously he would miss a lot of action, you know, pretty much after 2010, he would only show up for Mania, really, yeah. uh, with occasionally doing matches outside of Mania. But, like, 2008, he really had a late prime. He was still putting on amazing matches. You know, him at versus Edge at WrestleMania 24, one of my favorite matches, uh, just with the, the psychology and the storyline with everything. But he could still go. He did a TLC match with Edge, I think, later that year in 2008. So he was, like, the the guy that I really gravitated towards. You know, it hits at that dark side to it, but he also has that badass side to it that he could, he could beat your ass in, you know, just a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, – that was kind of one of the things I loved about, like, the whole Biker Kane was that he, he still carried, like – even though he didn't have that dark mystery side of him, he was still like that – that American badass, I don't know what they call him, but he had that badass side of him where, you know, it's one of the reasons why I, uh, I feel for the big show. Um, even when he was the giant, I, I feel like he's one of those wrestlers that they didn't really, cause you had like Kane, you had undertaker, you had these big guys who were big and you believed that they were big and powerful. And then you look at the big show and it's like he got tossed around and beat up. Like I felt like he was a jobber for big dudes. Like he just always got beat up. And so to have somebody like Undertaker, like even like I say, during the American Badass uh, era, he never really got dropped down that far. Undertaker to me is is the equivalent of Ozzy Osbourne in, in metal. Um, I'm, I, I don't think I've ever seen Undertaker's career slope. A lot like how Ozzy is. His career has always been all the way. Um, and, and I think that the Undertaker is, is that way too. Like his career has just always just been on the up and up. And, and I don't think he ever really had a dip anywhere in his career, um, even with the character change. Um, and he's one of those characters. Now, we were talking about Kane and how we didn't like the character change. Undertaker is one of those characters that I was okay with the character change. Um, you know, and again, it, I think. It, it only happened because he wanted it to. I don't think if he wanted it to, it, it wouldn't have worked um, because he was looking for something new, something fresh. Um, I think that's why it worked. And again, it, it just plays into um, how good and talented um, he is as as a wrestler um, and, and being whatever kind of they throw at him, he's, he, he nails it. Yeah, I think the reason the the character change worked. I mean, obviously he missed uh, missed some time. I think he had another you know shoulder issue or whatever surgery that he needed, so he was out for an extended period of time. But I think the thing that made it work was it was kind of gradual. If he would have showed up, you know, as the uh, American badass with like the short hair and like the denim jacket, I don't think it would have worked. But since he showed up, you know, he still had his long hair, he had leather pants on, and he had his trench coat. He still looked pretty much like the Undertaker except he was riding a motorcycle and then it gradually kind of evolved where he cut his hair into it. (laughs) I think that's what helped. And also just, he had that coolness to him. Like, you know, he was, he was like, this is my yard. That's when he really started saying it. So I think just if you want, if it wasn't a cool character, I don't think people would have looked, looked 
back on it or look currently when they were watching it uh, very fondly. So it's it's cool that he made it work very well that people are like, you know, this is different, but I really like it. Well, it's also, I think you're onto something there too as far as like that character only would have worked with somebody who was already established. To have somebody come in and have that cadence of like, this is my yard, this is my ring, I own this area. You you couldn't really do that with a a fresh character, like somebody new, you know, let's say pull them from NXT, bring them in, or if they just pull them from a wrestling camp and bring them in. You couldn't have made the American Badass with anybody. Um, I think that that's a character that had to be done by Undertaker. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I didn't even think about the gradual, like the haircut and all that stuff. But yeah, that, that definitely plays in, like to gradually bring us into it to and just do the complete flip. Um, and I guess that plays into also just grabbing some random person and saying, this is going to be your character. Uh, Undertaker played it very well. And then we go back into the dark Undertaker and it, it just, it flowed really well for me. I think they should have waited till his hair was able a little longer. Cause I do remember that reveal and his hair is like right here. And I was like, dude, you just look like a manly girl. Um, we should have waited till it got a little bit longer or give him extensions um, until his hair was able to grow uh, full length. But that's my only real gripe about that whole under Undertaker saga. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a quick turnaround too, because that was again, Survivor Series 2003, which I mentioned again. Um, <laughs> and then it was WrestleMania 20, which I also mentioned previously, but it also that, told a good story again because like he got buried as the biker the character was essentially done and then he had to brace the dark side because kane was i forgot kane was mocking him or saying he wasn't going to show up or whatever kane was doing kane things um <laughs> <laughs> and so he had to bring out the you know the, the darker uh undertaker but again with that i like to point out so you know obviously not looking at the hair he was wearing leather pants for like i think there was like 04 to 06 or 05 he was wearing leather pants. And again, that's kind of the gradual. Then he started just wearing like a singlet. But again, that's kind of the gradual ease back in to the Undertaker. He had leather pants when he was biker, still had leather pants when he was the actual Undertaker. And eventually he phased those out after a few years. But he was very good at that. And I think that's, again, another subtle nod to just the character just kind of flowing very well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So. It's cool. We actually, I uh, was wondering if we were going to have a wrestler that was on both of our lists. Um, Cause it does happen with Nolan occasionally, but I figured it was going to definitely happen with me and you. And I'm sure it's going to happen further on down on other episodes uh, because we, we do. Uh, I, I feel like we are very much alike just at two different age points, but uh, now <laughs> I'm going to move on. <laughs> move on to my, my number one. You keep thinking, uh, you keep saying like you're a super old man. You're not like, that you know old yeah but our 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 wrestling when it comes to wrestling you came into wrestling when i was coming out so yeah. our 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 wrestling knowledge is going to differ a little bit um in the sense of like i was watching in i think i started watching in 90 1997 or 96 year i was born yeah so i started watching when you were born and then i got out around 2004 2005 okay. somewhere around there so my, that's what I was saying. Like I'm watching a completely different era of wrestling. Um, so yeah. And then again, we aren't really that much different in age. You're what in your early twenties. Yeah, I'm 24. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm going to be, so we're almost 10 years apart. Cause I'll be 34 this year. So, well, you um, are old. <laughs> so we'll, we're, we're, there is, there is a difference there. Um, you know, and funny enough. So before I get into my number one, I want to just say, 
if 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 you're into superstitions or anything like that or crazy coincidences, um, you might find this pretty interesting. But in my family, I believe ten is a number that is very significant to my family, um, because me and my sister are ten years apart. My mom and my dad, which I've never met, but my dad and my mom were ten years apart. My mom and my stepdad were ten years apart. My grandparents were 10 years apart in age and they died 10 years apart. So they literally died at the same age, but 10 years, there was a 10 year gap. Um, and then of course my family's so big that you can find cousins that I'm related to that we're 10 years apart and all that stuff. So knowing that you're 10 years younger than I am, um, definitely puts into perspective why we get along so well. Um, so there's just something unique about the number 10, um, and not knowing that until right now, definitely I'm like, okay, that's why we get along. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even know about all those, um, you know, those gaps, you know, 10 year gaps and stuff. I think that that's pretty cool, man. I would say that's almost super cool. Yeah, man. Like, um, cause my sister is 10 years older than I am. My real dad was 10 years older than my mom, my mom and my stepdad. My mom was 10 years older than my stepdad. My grandparents, my grandpa was 10 years older than my grandma. He died at 78. 10 years later, my grandma died at 78. Um, and so uh, and the only difference is my grandparents had 11 kids. And out of the 11 kids, I think seven or eight survived. Um, but yeah, like if you go deep enough, you can start finding like, oh, this person's this, this is like I come from a really old family as well. I'm the youngest of my first cousins um, and I have second and third cousins who are older than me. Um, and then we even have like five, six generations that are still alive. Um, so it's very it's interesting. We can get into all that, but we're talking wrestling. So <laughs> so for my number one pick um, is going to be a wrestler that I'm sure you will agree with. Um, it is a wrestler who fits along what we were saying with corporation um, wrestling um, when a wrestler is one way and then they get pulled into the, the corporate side of things and they team up with Vince McMahon. I think this is a wrestler that should have never done that. Um, of course, if my mer memory serves me correctly, there were times when he would do it um, to benefit himself. Um, and he would do it to uh, almost trick them into believing that he was one way. And then he would go back to who he was again. My memory's a little foggy on that. Cause there's just so much of him in his career. I think, you know, so I, much. I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> so without further ado, well, I'll ask you, who do you think my number one pick is? Midian. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the blue oh, meaning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what, uh, how about uh, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy? I don't even know who the hell that is. <laughs> oh, man. All right, y'all, go ahead. Uh, my number one pick is going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? I'm sure that's a shocker. Um, but, yeah, Stone Cold. And I know he's not shocked because any chance that I get to post a Stone Cold GIF on Discord, in, in the Messenger. In life. In life, I, I just I live vicariously through Stone Cold, uh, the character. Um, he is he is one of my favorite wrestlers. And again, we will do episodes later on where we talk about entrances and mic skills and wrestling skills and all that stuff. And um, the reason why I wanted to do this episode first, as far as favorite wrestlers, is because Stone Cold, in my mind and in my opinion, I think encapsulates all of that. I think he is just one of the best. Um, not only in the ring but on the mic 
He had one of the best fucking entrances, and I think he has one of the best pops when it comes to his entrance. That glass shatter just... And then, of course, Disturbed fucking did his song at one point, and it just came out fucking killer. I'm not a humongous fan of Disturbed, um, but I do like Disturbed. I think they're a talented band, and to know that they did Stone Cold's entrance at one point, um, and just that's my favorite version of, of that entrance. Um, but, again, I think he's one of those wrestlers that um, the reason why he did so well, and I think he was so popular... Was he was and again now being an adult, having a job, doing different jobs that I fucking hated, having bosses that I wanted to fucking just beat up and 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 say fuck you to and give a um, stunner too. Yeah, to have a, a wrestler that did everything that an average person working a nine to five wants to do, uh, being able to live that like I said vicariously through another person, um, I think really worked in his favor and really made him an icon. Um, seeing him flick everybody off. Seeing him just not giving a fuck, doing what he wants, um, it really shaped me as, as as a young individual when I was growing up, of being like, you know what, I don't need validation from nobody. Um, I, I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I love myself, and I'm gonna do what I want, when I want, how I want, and fuck what you think. Um, you know, all of that came from from Stone Cold as a character, and uh, I really, really have a lot of respect for the man. And now he has a podcast, and and Stone Cold is not very much different from the real guy who plays stone cold like they're 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 pretty much the same except the, the guy who plays stone cold is uh he, he he's a little more respectful towards people but he's still just a, a texan that loves to to drink go hunting and and just live life and and uh you know i really look up to stone cold not only as a wrestler but as an individual um listening to him on his podcast and stuff like that really again pulled that that veil back and, and it really got to let me know who he was as an individual and it's a it's a dude that I, I hold in high regard and will go down as my favorite wrestler and person uh in the industry i definitely agree and you said it very well so I'm, i i don't have to cover a whole lot of bases with everything now i do want to point out like two two interesting things that i think just shows how good he is is that uh, and I know he said this too in, in interviews and podcasts and stuff. Like he was never like the best wrestler, but what he had, he had his intensity in the ring, and he, but he was he was not the greatest, but he could he could work and he could tell a really good story in the ring. Like he didn't he didn't have like he wasn't you know jumping off the top rope. He wasn't doing moon salts. He wasn't doing anything like that. But he would beat the crap out of you. And uh, I think it just yeah, shows- his skill set was pretty pretty small um yeah. i mean like he you would you would definitely get the mud hole you'd get the just his 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 punch uh um, luthes press yeah like you would get the, the same moves pretty much in every match but he sold it so well and 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 just again like i think that confidence that he had in the ring really helped sell a lot of that he's just a dude that's gonna come in there and just beat your ass <laughs> exactly and again i think that just shows the intensity of the character like it didn't really matter what he did he made you feel like, you know, like you hated that other guy. It didn't matter who it was. He'd be facing gold dust. And, you know, I have no problem with gold dust, but he could like say whatever he wanted to on the mic. <laughs> and he would make you hate gold dust by the end of, end of his promo. So then by the time the match rolled around, you wanted to see Stone Cold beat up gold dust. And- He's definitely an enigma. I think in that, in that retrospect, because he was one of those characters you were supposed to hate. 
You weren't supposed to like Stone Cold at and and in some parts of his career, but you couldn't hate you couldn't hate him like you you and some people love to hate him, but there was always still that that little spark of love like you wanted to see Stone Cold, you wanted to see him out there, regardless if you loved him or hate him. He was just he wasn't supposed to be liked, and he was he was loved by so many. And it's just interesting the whole like Stone Cold uh, the shelf life that he had in the ring. I believe it was like 96 and to what, 03? Yeah, 03 was his last in-rig match. Obviously, he, he still made appearances. He still gave people stunners. He still drank beer. But just looking at his in-ring as Stone Cold, because obviously he was in WCW as stunning Steve Austin. He made yeah, a, quick, a, <laughs> a quick trip to ECW where he really refined the character. And if you look at his ECW promos, that's when he really got the Stone Cold thing. And then at 96, like the end of 96, he was the ringmaster with Ted DiBiase. We're not even going to talk about that, except I just mentioned it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was like 97 to 03. That was like his run as Stone Cold in the ring. But he did so much. You know, he crushed cars with monster trucks. He drove a beer truck. You know, pretty much, you know, he he, he destroyed uh, the DX Express with, um, you know, uh, with a crane. You know, he did all these crazy stuff. That time, I mean, his in-ring work, I'm just talking wacky stuff he did outside of it. But, you know, and, and it was, you know, what, oh, it was WrestleMania 17, which I believe that was 01, where they kind of screwed with the character a little bit. Even Austin said it wasn't the best decision, you know, looking back at it. But he still made it work enough. You know, the whole invasion storyline to me is just so messed up that, you know, it just, yeah. yeah. Vince should have been more patient with that. And I think that's a consensus across the fans in general. I think um, Vince McMahon had a golden opportunity um, he should have waited till contracts were up, um, because we didn't we didn't get the invasion that we had hoped for. Um, you had B, C, D list WCW wrestlers um, going up against A list top tier WWE wrestlers, um, and so you ended up having to pull people from the WWE roster to put into WCW. Granted, the the ones that they pulled also were WCW at one point. Um, but to see Stone Cold um, jump ship and go that uh, go that route in the invasion angle, it's kind of like, well, fuck, dude. We wanted Goldberg and Austin, not Austin siding with WCW, you know. So it's, it, it, yeah, I think it could have it could have been way better. Um, but again, this is is some uh, just a bad call um, from upper management, not wanting to be patient and wait it out to really get. I mean, we got some good wrestlers. We got DDP, of course. We got Booker T. Um, but they're in Buff my opinion, Bagwell. They, yeah, but see, even Buff, Buff isn't like top tier. Buff Bagwell was cool, but he's not top tier. Buff's got opinion. the stuff, man. <laughs> you know, especially when you had like, you could have had a whole NWO DX angle. You could have had, you know, um, like I said, you had Goldberg and, 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 and Stone Cold. You had a lot of these more top tier echelon WCW wrestlers, Sting, you know, how long did it take for Sting to actually come to the WWF? I mean, like, well, I mean, he by just, the time he, he took a very long nap from 2001 to 2015. <laughs> and by the time he came in, I wasn't even interested anymore. You know, like that would have been awesome to see him come in and, and, and do some work, even with like him and the Undertaker or him and Kane. Like, I think that would have been awesome. Um, but we, we, we missed a golden opportunity somewhere in another parallel universe. They got the right invasion and we got the shit into the stick. <laughs> I think the problem was, I also think the mindset back then, because look at like the, the big WCW, like 
big WCW stars they brought in originally for the invasion. DDP got his ass kicked by The Undertaker every time he showed up. Booker T got beat up by The Rock. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. yes, did he did he hold the World Heavyweight belt? Yes, but I think he dropped it right away anyway. So I think my memory gets a little fuzzy when all that stuff. But um, they just, it, it, nothing really went right. Like, Goldberg got hit, you know, his stuff didn't go, like, really well. His 03 run wasn't that great. Uh, Hogan probably was the only one out of everybody who originally came from WCW to actually have a actually a legitimate run. And that's probably and that's just... That's because Hogan's a baby, and Hogan. That's has what to I, I was going to say. Hogan was Hogan because <laughs> like, you look at like um, Hall, Nash, Goldberg, Booker T, DDP, um, and pretty much everyone else. They eventually Scott Steiner. You know, everyone else they eventually got. They, I think they were still better that WCW almost put them out of business, and nobody really did anything. Like they either had better runs in TNA, you know, or um, Booker T. Probably, if you look at the long run, probably was the best. You know, with the King Booker gimmick in the 2007. See, and, and I wasn't even into that. Like, I have, there's other wrestlers, in my opinion, that came from that organization that did really well. If you look outside of the evasion angle, you have wrestlers like Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, the name that we will not say, but Chris Benoit, the name that, that they don't, they want to scrub. Um, but like, uh, even like, um, what's his name? Chavo. All of them came from WCW. And when they came into the WWE, they had mass success. I, I will agree with you, except I will disagree with the most of them, except for Chavo and Rey Mysterio um, actually came before WCW went out of business. They were treated better. I will agree. Mm. Like, you know, Jericho, Malenko, uh, Eddie, and uh, Benoit, uh, they were all treated uh, pretty good. They had very good runs in WWE. I think it was the people who, who stayed with WCW to the end and then they eventually brought over. Outside of Mysterio did pretty good. Uh, and I see, would... and that's the thing with, with the, the ones that you were saying, like with that invasion angle, I think one of the reasons why they probably also stuck with that angle is because if you if you listen back to um, uh, Kevin Nash did an interview where they talked about the, whole, the start of the NWO when they came into WCW, you have two guys who are legitimately getting this angle of, two WWF guys came into WCW and they're taking on the entire fucking roster. So I think with that knowledge, knowing when the invasion angle took place, Vince might've just carried with that and being like, you know, WWF is superior. Look, we had two guys, even though in in real life they left cause they didn't want to deal with WWF no more, but the fans looked at it like two WWF wrestlers going and fucking up WCW. I think that kind of carried over into maybe possibly why the invasion, we got the invasion that we got because you know, yeah. it's like, well, you're bringing the guys that, that couldn't even take on two dudes in WWF now coming over to WWF. What makes you think they're going to be able to stand with any of our wrestlers? You know, maybe that, that could possibly be a, a, a reason for that angle. And I, I definitely agree with that. I think, um, the one cool thing, I think the one thing that I know people are going to argue with this about, I know we're going way off topic, but I just want to talk about this. Uh, oh, no worries. We're, we've already did our top list. so you're, That's you're true. <laughs> uh, now we're just talking about wrestling. I think it did help having the ECW guys in there too, because obviously I, I think you were probably around for that moment when you, know, you had uh, the, the, what, the Dudley boys, Rhino, and a few other. Uh, uh, Rhino well, is so underrated. I love fucking Rhino. I think he's just, dude. he's amazing looking dude. I honestly, I really, I really like Rhino. Um, I got a point from him in a crowd once, so that was pretty cool. Oh, nice! <laughs> I don't know if he was pointing at me or not, but he walked like I, I was like on the, I was in the South Bend at the Palais Royale because I'm fancy, 
Um, <laughs> and they had a, Impact Wrestling had a show there. It was my dad's birthday, so I'm, my brother's like, "Hey, we should take Dad to a wrestling show." And I'm like, "Yes, we should take Dad to a wrestling show." Um, <laughs> well, so we did next it. time you tell this story, the next time you tell this story to anybody, do not add the. I don't know if he was pointing at me. That doesn't matter. Just say it was my dad's birthday, and Rhino pointed at me. It was my. It was the best thing that ever happened to my dad. <laughs> well, then I, I got a selfie with Rob Van Dam, and he specifically said because I had my RVD shirt on. He said, I, mm-hmm. "He said I'll specifically take a photo with you because you have an RVD shirt on." He <laughs> nice. literally said that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think having the ECD, and, and again, they probably only brought the ECW in because the. The they star power the wasn't roster. there. Yeah, the the WCW roster wasn't there because of the higher one. The top tier guys were still in contract. They had, so they had Chuck Palumbo and uh, Sean Stasiak. Chuck Palumbo is is also. I think he's an underrated wrestler. I think he had a pretty cool run in the WWE, from what I remember. Um, and he was just a big fucking dude. He had a lot uh, of different. People, uh, a lot of different gimmicks. I know he was part of the FBI for a little bit, the full-blooded Italians. Uh, the one thing I didn't like uh, was in 2009, he started uh, coming to the ring with a motorcycle. I didn't really like that part. Yeah, isn't um, Bubba Ray Dudley running an angle like that right now as like a biker or some shit? I, last time I saw on YouTube, I was watching like a – I don't know what organization he's in, but he was wearing like a biker vest. So I guess he's running a biker you're uh, going back to 2013 with that one. Oh, okay. So that's it was old. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, was like aces said, and eights in uh, Impact Wrestling. Oh lord, <laughs> going away. I, you do realize the internet exists uh, currently too, present day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just I don't know where these timelines meet and stuff like that. So I I just know that that you know I, I I'm I'm a Dudley Boy fan back in the day when they would say you know. He'd push uh, Devon and tell him to get the tables. Uh, I like Spike Lee or Spike Lee, Spike Dudley, <laughs> Spike Lee, uh, Spike Dudley. Um, although now, funny enough, I think he's like a substitute teacher. Um, he's not wrestling anymore, and he he did a really good teacher. interview with Chris Van Fleet, and I thought that was really cool because um, he doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. But yeah, he's not doing anything in the business. I think he left. He did a little run in Impact TNA. I think that was two thousand seven, and he made like sporadic appearances till like twenty thirteen. But um, they and he was he was talking about like the insane bumps he would take, and he's like, yeah, they didn't feel that bad. It's like he got like thrown off, you know, thrown outside of the ring and like missed the table. It's like, yeah, it didn't feel that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy is is definitely um, he was an interesting uh uh part of 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 the wrestling world. Um, Spike Dudley, I'm sure him and like Crash, um, I think they definitely inspired a lot of the the little men to to want to become something in wrestling i definitely agree now again i have a little bit more knowledge outside of wb than you just a little maybe um crash holly before you know his, his untimely passing he was in uh tna when it first started like this was like 2003 mm-hmm. um I loved his gimmick. He didn't get much airtime with it because he eventually he, he left. He was like in and out very quick. But his gimmick was he would get mad at things. So like they showed a video like he he uh, his alarm clock went off and like he woke up and he was like yelling at the alarm clock. He was getting all mad because like that was his gimmick. He would just get mad at stuff. And so he was like walking around the city like getting mad at people and like trying to play basketball. It was freaking hilarious. <laughs> I related so hard to that gimmick because like that's everything I want to do, but obviously uh, can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
But with that being said, man, I want to say thank you for coming on and let's uh, you know talking wrestling. I'm gonna cut it here because we could do wrestling all damn day, all night. But I want to hold some stuff for future episodes. Um, so if you're watching this episode and, and you enjoyed it, please let us know down in the comments if you want us to continue doing it. Uh, because like I said, we have a lot more planned um, and we could just talk all kinds of wrestling. I'm learning some stuff too because your knowledge of wrestling is a lot higher than mine. Because again, I'm going off of pure memory um, of what I remember. Um, and then who knows, I may, if people believe in the Mandela effect, that's probably why I'm wrong about stuff. Who knows? <laughs> but either way, uh, I want to thank you for coming in as always. Um, you are an amazing dude. I have a lot of fun talking to you on the discord and, and, and privately like that. so I'm glad that you came along and did the show with us before we go though. Um, is there anything that you want to plug and, um, you know, segue people to those things? Sure. I just want to say real quick, big thank you uh, to not only you, but also Nolan as well for obviously a lot, you know, for welcoming on basic ass dudes. I had a fun time talking about some basic ass wrestling with my basic ass friend, <laughs> but keep it basic here. <laughs> that's right. I'll get some uh, pumpkin spice latte after the show. Ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I am uh, obviously the owner and uh, host of Super Cool Radio. Uh, you can find it. Obviously, I have my own YouTube Rumble uh, channel as well. But also, I'm available on you know Spotify, iTunes, all the audio only services. And obviously, I have to thank you for hosting uh, the Brutal Block, which it's always fun to come up with little descriptions and titles and all of that stuff, make the artwork. So definitely check him out at his Tuesdays at noon, as he said earlier in this episode. I have my own show which is Fridays at noon. I spend pretty much all my favorite music that I like, you know, throw in some classics, like you'll hear Alice Cooper and Motorhead, plus I'll, you know, throw in some of the people I've interviewed throughout the season. It's always a fun time. I got some great interviews lined up. I'm very excited for a few of them, and I can't wait to release them. But nothing for right now. Everything uh, everything that's been announced it will be released, but I have some great stuff in the works plus i just had my three-year anniversary show that's gonna be released very soon so it's Badass. awesome to celebrate milestones like that so check it out hope you enjoy and uh if you want me back on uh for wrestling uh just hit him up and tell him put on matthew thomas for more wrestling because i just love what he had to say yeah dude um yeah definitely man um that's that's awesome man three years that that that's a huge milestone for any podcast um so Definitely be looking forward to hearing that. And uh, honestly, guys, if, if you're looking for new fresh bands, go check him out on Friday because he does spin some really cool bands. That's how I found out about um, Matthew Thomas. And he even put my music on there as well at one point. Um, I, I originally found uh, Matthew because of Nolan. He was on every podcast I Love is Dead. And then I went and checked out his show. And, um, you know, I'm I'm super excited and humbled and, and appreciated that uh, uh, appreciative of the fact that you have me on there now. Like I'm now part of super cool radio. Um, and so, yeah, man, if you guys are looking for some new music, definitely go check it out. Uh, some really interesting interviews. Um, but yeah, Matt is an old soul. He plays some, some old school uh, rock and roll and metal too. So that's one of the reasons why I keep showing back up and, and uh, you know, live out my, my glory days, <laughs> even though those bands are older than me too. But uh <laughs> So what we do here at Basic Ass Dudes at the very end is we do spotlight a band. Um, 
I didn't get a band set up for this show, um, this particular one, just because I figured since we were doing wrestling and we were not having Nolan on this episode, that we would go and I would just do a shameless plug. My solo music hasn't been on Basic Ass Dudes yet. Um, so without further ado, I want to give you guys uh, solo music from me that I do on my free time, which I have been slacking. I need to get back on writing some more. Um, but here is a track from my solo group, Among War. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Take care. Deep within my 